You're listening to the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Get to it. Welcome to another edition of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. CJ Palmasano here, your host, and wow, what a week it's been. What a great show NXT TakeOver Vengeance Day was. We had a great NXT on Wednesday night, a great AEW Dynamite on Wednesday night, and we have the Elimination Chamber coming up this Sunday, and we're going to get into everything that's been going on. We're going to kick things off with the biggest story going on in pro wrestling, I think, at the moment, and that is with what happened at the end of NXT TakeOver Vengeance Day. I'm going to go over a little bit throughout the card of that of that show, my overall thoughts on it, some of my favorite matches, and how I kind of think the things went. So, let's just talk about the biggest story that's going on in NXT right now. So, Finn Balor versus Pete Dunne, which, in my opinion, was match of the night for Vengeance Day. Uh, those guys worked in a hell of a match. It's amazing that those two guys never worked a match prior to this. But then you look at the ages of Pete Dunne and Finn Balor. Finn Balor's in his 40s and Pete Dunne is 27 years old. Uh, but it's crazy how they never got in. The, they, they, they never touched. You, you'd think they would. Anyway, these guys um, did a, had excellent chemistry together. Uh, again, my opinion, best match of the night. Uh Done just working in those uncomfortable stretches and those holds he does. Balor trying to keep up with Pete Dunn. Not keep up, but just trying to get the holds in. You know, I remember at one point where Pete Dunn had uh, Balor's fingers and the arm really stretching the shit out of it, and then Balor was able to get a, a pinfall cover, uh, attempt on, on Dunn. Um, there was no interference in the match from uh, Danny Burch or Oni Lorcan, which I loved. You know, I like when, you know, a badass heel and a badass babyface can just go at it one, you know, uh, one-on-one and just have a really great fucking match. And that's what uh, Balor and uh, Cole did. Sorry, Balor and Dunn did this past Sunday. Um, going through the rest of the card in a little bit. But first, after the match... We had Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch come in and try to attack Finn Balor. Um, I remember saying when I'm watching this, you know, or before the show happens, like, you know, it's really strange that we're not getting Undisputed Era on this pay-per-view. It's, a fr- it's the first time I've seen in a long time that we really get little to no Undisputed Era presence at an NXT TakeOver. You know, it... it at least one of the guys or the tag team get a, a, a match at the take at takeover shows, but it didn't happen this time. After Balor had won the match, you know, Dunn or uh, Lorkin and Birch had all um, had all uh, attacked Finn Balor, and then in comes Undisputed Era. Here comes Kyle O'Reilly, Adam Cole, Roderick Strong, and they're all you know trying to come in and help Finn Balor. They're 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 chasing away the heels. And um, you see Roderick and Adam saying some shit to, you know, Pat McAfee's boys there. And uh, Kyle's in the background. He's he's telling Finn, you know, he's offering his hand. He's like, look, man, I got respect for you. You're a hell of a champion. And I just, I'm out here to help. And I just want to say that I respect you. And Finn's, he's a little cautious. And he's like, he's not really sure if he should trust him. And, you know, he's like, all right, so... What happens is that, you know, they pose. And another great thing, the selling that Balor was doing real quickly when because Pete Dunn targeted his fingers so much in this match that he couldn't even that he couldn't do the, you know, the the gun finger pose that he does. He had to, like, you know, he's like got his knuckles all up, but he can't hold up his fingers, you know, kind of like a, <laughs> looking like a like a dinosaur or some shit <laughs> uh, with a little kind of homage to the little shitty dinosaur tattoo he has. No, it's not shitty. It's his body. He can do whatever the fuck he wants. Um, anyway, my point is, Balor's really selling that. And, you know, Kyle was offering him his hand, and it seemed that he was, whether he was offering 
Undisputed Era to have his back or straight up have Finn Balor join the Undisputed Era. Um, and, you know, the, the copyright logos on the bottom. And, you know, when you see something like that, you know, it's like, hmm, I don't know if I should trust it. But I got to say, they got me. Because what happened next? Adam Cole super kicks Finn Balor. And Roderick Strong and Kyle O'Reilly are like, whoa, whoa, dude, what are you doing? What are you, we were, what are you doing? We're trying to help him. You're trying to help him out. He was getting jumped. And then you like, Adam Cole's getting pissed off. He's getting frustrated. And then next thing we know, Adam Cole super kicks Kyle O'Reilly right in the face. And is just staring down at him. Adam Cole is just staring down at Kyle O'Reilly. And Roderick Strong is like, what did you just do? Roderick Strong has no idea what's going on. Adam Cole is just staring him down. He exits the ring. He's like, come on, Roddy. Let's go, Roddy. But Roderick Strong doesn't leave. Roderick Strong doesn't follow Adam Cole. He's, he's, he is so... He is literally caught in the middle of Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole. And it is just... It's just an amazing... It's something that we didn't really think we'd see. Well, we knew it eventually happened, but I don't think we would think it happened so soon. Um, as someone who is a huge, huge fan of the Undisputed Era, I've mentioned this podcast for a few years now. You know, I've been a big fan of Adam Cole since his days in Ring of Honor, and I've been a bit and um, I've followed you know Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong. I knew who they were, but when they got together as Era, they were just. They were the best thing going on NXT for years, years and years and years. Like I always said, the best part about NXT is Undisputed Era and the Gargano Champ of uh, storyline. Um, y- you know, it's. I-, I feel like it's a good time to pull the trigger on this, to pull the trigger on an Undisputed Era breakup, or at least a Civil War esque storyline, because I don't think they're broken up just yet. I mean, they're all still wearing Undisputed Era gear. You know, they're feuding with each other, but they're not, you know, like Roderick's on NXT and, and Cole and O'Reilly. They still wore an, uh, Undisputed Era merchandise, but we just don't know what the future of them holds. This is definitely leading to a breakup of some of some kind, but it's just like, you know, who's going to lead the era at some point? Is Cole going to, you know, break off on his own? Is Kyle O'Reilly going to break off on his own? Or are one of them going to be the new... Is one of them going to replace... Is Kyle O'Reilly going to replace Adam Cole's leader? Or is or is Cole going to be able to get Fish and Strong to come to his side? One thing's for sure is that this is definitely leading to a top babyface um, push for Kyle O'Reilly. Because I think TakeOver 31 was probably... Maybe not a, not a test. But it was the first taste of, you know, giving... Kyle, maybe just kind of like testing the waters and seeing like maybe Triple H and the NXT creative, just like, all right, let's see what Kyle can do. This is the first step. And then seeing how they absolutely deliver with that match and then giving him the rematch uh, for uh, the New Year's uh, Eve event. I can't remember what it's called. But, you know, Kyle O'Reilly, you know, he's been in the tag division for a long time, but he can really shine as a single star. He did it in Ring of Honor in the Indies, and he can do it in NXT. I think that Kyle O'Reilly at some point can be the top babyface in NXT. Um, You know, I guess I'll kind of skip into what happened into NXT a little bit. I'll go back to some of the, some of the matches I enjoyed from TakeOver, but uh, I'll go into this, keep going into this Undisputed Era storyline. You know, it kicks off with Kyle O'Reilly just saying that he's hurt, he's pissed off, and he just wants to know why Adam Cole did what he did. And he he'll hear him out. He's like, I'll probably punch you in the face when you're when you're done talking, but I will at the very least hear you out. Then Undisputed Era's music hits, but it's not Adam Cole, it's Roderick Strong. And Roderick's saying how, you know, he didn't mean to do that. You know that. He's just like, that's not that's not Adam. You know that whatever he was like, he the moment he's like, I don't need you to tell me, Roddy. I need Adam to tell me, okay? And Roderick's trying to get in the ring, and he's like, no, no, I don't get in here, Roderick. Don't get in here. So I don't trust, no. You know what? It is that I don't trust you. I don't trust myself. I don't trust anybody. I don't know what the hell's going on. I don't need you to tell me. I need that piece of shit Adam Cole to tell me what the hell is going on. And they didn't have to bleep that out because he did call Cole a piece of shit. And then Balor comes down and he's like, he's like, I'm not looking for you, Finn. He's like, oh, really? 
you're not looking for me because I'm looking for you, Kyle. And if you want a piece of Adam Cole, you better get in line. I took your hand, and I know I probably shouldn't have. And then, you know, him and Roderick Strong are getting into it. He's like, he didn't, he had nothing to do with this. Like, you know, Finn Balor's pissed off at everybody on Dispute Era. He doesn't care if what's going on. He's just mad because they're the one, you know, he got he still got jumped in the end. Um, and then Dunn, uh, Lorcan, and Birch come down, and they attack the baby faces, and that sets up the six-man tag match for later on in the evening. Um, which, skipping over into that, it was main event six-man tag match. Finn Balor, Roderick Strong, Kyle O'Reilly, and um, versus Pete Dunn, Oni Lorcan, Danny Birch. And in this match, uh, Kyle O'Reilly took a brain buster off the stairs from Adam Cole coming in. Adam Cole, prior to that, had pushed Finn Balor off the top rope so he couldn't hit the coup de gras where the referee wasn't looking. Um, hits Kyle O'Reilly on the steps. Then, I, th- I believe... Danny Burch, no, Oni Lorcan tried to take advantage. The NXT title belt was in the ring, and he tried to attack Finn Balor with it. Roderick Strong hits him, and there's a glimpse of Roderick Strong holding the NXT championship. I'm like, yes, please make Roderick Strong the NXT champion at some point. Um, And then he tries to grab Finn Balor, and then Balor hits him with a Pele kick, not realizing it was strong. And then Dunn comes in from behind, and he hits the bitter end, and Pete Dunn is pinned the NXT champion. Uh, After the match was over, Adam Cole went to Finn Balor and hits... And I uh, hits him with a super kick, and he holds up the NXT Championship while he's kneeling over Finn Balor. So, where this is going, what it seems is that Adam Cole wants the NXT Championship and is going to go after Finn Balor. And down the line, Kyle O'Reilly is definitely going to want to go after Adam Cole for the NXT Championship and go on and try and get some revenge. Now, does this have the potential to be better than the Champa Gargano storyline? I'm going to go out on a whim and say yes. I think this could be better than Champa and Gargano for a few reasons. One, Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole have a long history before getting to NXT, before getting to the WWE. Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Champa were kind of thrown together in the dusty in the first dusty tag team tournament. And as time went by, you know, they were able to hone their tag team uh chemistry and become one of the best tag teams in NXT's history, going on to having at the time right now the the greatest storyline in NXT NXT's history. This blood feud that they had. It was, we all know it was supposed to culminate at NXT Takeover New York where Johnny Gargano would finally defeat Tommaso Ciampa for the NXT Championship and get the revenge he so badly wanted. So, obviously it didn't happen because because Champa hurt his neck, had to get surgery, and was replaced by Adam Cole, which is still a great match. However, with the hiccups in there and the less history that Champa and Gargano have compared to Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly, I think this could be better than that. I think this could be Better than that that Champa Gargano storyline. They have history. They've wrestled before. They had a similar storyline when Adam Cole was still in Ring of Honor and Bullet Club. And they uh, had that main event match at Ring of Honor Final Battle 2015, I think. 2015? Yeah, it was 2015, I believe. 2015 or 2016, one or the other. Um, so, that that was the thing. These guys have so much history together. And just documenting the history they've had in NXT, you know, they they, they are a brotherhood, you know. They, they, they've stood together. Every time you kind of thought they were going to break up, they didn't break up. And now they hit it when you least expect it, which is exactly how you should execute your storylines and exactly how you should handle a story like Kyle O'Reilly versus Adam Cole, you know. This is exactly what I mean when I think... Kyle O'Reilly will be the top babyface in NXT. And you have to kind of filter through. Because I think it's safe to say that in the past several, not several months, but the past number of months, the Undisputed Era have not felt as special. They haven't felt as special. They were always special, but they haven't felt as special. 
somewhere on, along the line when Cole dropped the title, that's when things kind of started to dwindle down a little bit. There were theories maybe even Kyle O'Reilly was going to turn heel. Maybe he'd take over the Undisputed Era. But that's not didn't seem the case. All the guys turned babyface. But now, Adam Cole's turned heel. And poor Bobby Fish, where does he lead in all this? I think he's still injured dealing with an uh, Yeah, he's still healing up from an injury. But um, he had posted a picture on Instagram, I think, when Cole had defeated Champa from Portland last year. They're all where they're all in arms together, sitting on the ring apron, and it's just black and white. I don't know when Bobby Fish will come into this storyline. I know he will at some point. I would at least hope he will once he's cleared and ready to go. Who knows? I mean, Kyle Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole will for sure go on to singles careers as top heel and babyface. Roderick Strong, I think, has the potential to be a top-level guy at NXT and hold the NXT Championship. I can't necessarily say that for Bobby Fish. Um, not because I don't love Bobby Fish. I think Bobby Fish is fucking awesome. But I don't think they probably see him as a top-level guy in the brand. Maybe Bobby Fish could be North American champion. Um, that's not discrediting the guy. I I would love for every single member of Undisputed Era to be NXT champion at some point. Or they could stick Roddy and Bobby Fish in a tag team for a little while. I mean, they work pretty well as a tag team. Um, but yeah, there's a lot you can do with this storyline. There's so much you can do with this storyline. And that's why I think it'll be better than Champa and Gargano. I think it'll just it'll take NXT to new heights. And NXT needed a shot in the arm because they were this... They, they were... They beat... They did not beat AEW in the ratings this week, but they weren't that far off. I believe Alvarez said that AEW had 735,000 uh, viewership, where NXT had 1,700, uh, seven, sorry, 717. AEW had 735,000. Uh, NXT had 17, damn it, 717,000. I can't fucking speak tonight anyway. But that's really, really close. That goal, that angle they did at the end of TakeOver Vengeance Day, that's really, really close to, to, it drew a lot of people to watch NXT. I mean, I was saying to myself, damn, what am I going to watch this? Am I going to watch AEW or am I going to watch NXT this week? Unfortunately, I couldn't because the app I used my Fire Stick to watch either show wasn't fucking working, so I had to watch them today before I recorded this podcast. Um... But this was, but it was really good. Um, going back real quickly, I'll talk a little bit about Takeover and then go into the rest of the stuff that's going on. Um, the match that I thought was match of the night until I saw Balor versus Dunn would be one Jonathan Gargano versus Kushida for the NXT North American Championship. I think Johnny Gargano is doing some of the best work of his career right now as a heel champion. Uh, I love the I love the way him, Austin Theory, Candice LeRae, Indy Hartwell. Um, I was saying this to my girlfriend recently that it kind of feels like an evolution type stable. And then I realized she wasn't watching wrestling in like 2005 or 2006. Um, but it does feel that way. You know, um, we have the two top level vet, not top, level, but, but veterans, so to speak, in Candice LeRae and Johnny Gargano. And then you have Austin Theory and Indy Hartwell who are rising up and comers. Very much like, you know, Randy Orton and uh, Randy Orton and Batista were in Evolution to Triple H and uh, Ric Flair in Evolution. You know, the the leaders and then the, the rising stars. And that's what Austin Theory and Indy Hartwell are. Um, I'm sure they're learning a ton from Gargano and Candice. Um, they're still two of my favorite wrestlers in the world. I, you know, Candice LeRae is probably my favorite female wrestler in the world. At the moment, uh, just not the moment, but just, just in general, I love Candice LeRae. I've been a big fan of her for the, for a very long time. Um, and this whole storyline, you know, I really enjoyed this match. It was a technical masterpiece. You knew it was, you were going to have a good time with this. I had said in the predictions I did previously that, um, you know, I felt like the match would be a lot better better if Gargano was a babyface, but, you know, Gargano was still selling really well, even though he was the heel in this match. Kushida was really uh, working his arm the entire match. A lot of a lot of holds, a lot of, like, you know, reversal of holds. You know, uh, Kushida doing that, sp that uh, handstand, like, spinning kick he does. Like, you know what I mean. Like, Will Ospreay does it. He kind of, like, you know, 
goes against the ropes, but he's upside down when he when he goes to jump on. Like Kushida does the same thing, and so does Ricochet. Uh, just look it up on YouTube; you'll see what I mean. Um, he did that, like you know, these guys trading back and forth, and I thought it was interesting that Gargano was selling so much. You know, he's the heel, and he's selling so much. But I think they're going with this route with Kushida that he's like you know, like when they had his feud with Velveteen Dream, that he was, uh, you know, he's this. He's changed, you know. He's kind of unhinged, and he's more aggressive, and I like that in Kushida. I like it a lot. Um, Johnny Gargano ended up taking the pin, uh, not taking the pin, but winning the match and beating Kushida. Um, as as I predicted that Gargano would win, I did, and I and I didn't think it was time for Gargano to lose, but I do think you know where do you go with Kushida here because. Kushida didn't get the Shinsuke Nakamura treatment when he signed with the company. I think he signed with the company almost almost two years ago at this point. 2019, I think? Yeah, 2019. And he didn't really do much in the first couple of years of his run in NXT. And only fairly recently they've been doing more with him. I think like the last big thing before we saw him come back to NXT, I know he had a mini feud with Walter when uh, NXT first came to the USA Network. And then I don't remember much of what he did between then and when he came back. Um, I mean, honestly, I don't even remember when he came back, you know? So it's safe to say that NXT have kind of dropped the ball with Kushida. I would just like to see more from it. Um, I did not happen to catch what they did with Kushida. I will preface it by saying that I didn't catch everything from NXT. I'm only talking about what I saw, and the main thing I saw was the main storyline involving Undisputed Era and Finn Balor and Pete Dunne and all them. So I'm hopeful that Kushida did more on NXT on Wednesday. I'm hopeful for it. But um, I just want to see more from him, man. You know, he's a he's a excellent wrestler. You know, he was the ace of the junior division in New Japan Pro Wrestling. You know, the guy can work. Uh, I mean, he's getting older. He's getting up there. You know, I want to see him. I mean, maybe they're probably saving him versus Santos Escobar uh, for Kushida to be the one to take the title off of Santos Escobar. And that's not a knock on Kushida. It would be great. And Santos Escobar has been doing amazing work. He's been doing amazing work as the Cruiserweight Champion. Some people would probably want Jordan Devlin versus, uh, you know, versus Santos Escobar, which I would like to see. But Jordan Devlin and Santos Escobar are both heels. Um, I'm not sure if I want to see a heel versus heel for that. I probably would want to see babyface versus heel. So I kind of want to see Kushida versus Jordan Devlin more. You know, once we can get some, um, you know, I know a lot of was some of these travel restrictions to go to be lifted. Maybe not, you know, once things can kind of go back to normal, we can have an undisputed uh, NXT Cruiserweight Champion, you know, where they can go to both brands. They can go to NXT UK. They can go to NXT. Because um, clearly they were trying to push Jordan Devlin for NXT proper before the pandemic happened, put giving him the title. Um, But I really enjoyed Gargano versus Kushida. Uh, MSK versus Grizzled Young Veterans. Uh, mwah, loved it. Beautiful, beautiful tag team wrestling. Just just proper, you know, high-flying babyface action versus ground and pound, you know, heels. You know, they don't give a fuck. They don't care about getting cheered. They just want to get booed. Zach Gibson is excellent at that. He's tremendous on the mic. Um, this was a lot of fun. I predicted MSK to win knowing that they didn't really do, uh, not really do, that I didn't know too much of their work prior to WWE, you know, them being two-thirds of the Rascals, but I was thoroughly impressed, and I figured they would do that just so they would want MSK to, you know, uh, to kind of establish them, you know, as a new high-flying, new hot, the hottest act acquisition in NXT. Um, I, I've seen some things, too. Like, I was listening to the Going In, Going In Raw podcast, um, and the host Steven the hosts Steven Steve and Larson, not Steven Larson. Uh Steve and Larson. I think it was Larson who said that, you know, he probably it was or it was Steve. I don't remember. One of them said that they they kinda wanted an uh Grizzle Young Vets to win because they were there last year. They were putting in they they've been putting in the work this whole time and they should really get the win and, you know, just kinda giving it to the guys who just kinda showed up. Kinda kinda disrespects uh, these guys have been working so hard. I don't think so necessarily. Um, 
I think Grizzly Young Vets still are a tremendous tag team. I think, and I still think that they could be NXT Tag Team Champions in the near future. I mean, I would think they would want baby faces to take the tag titles off of Birch and Lorcan, which, um, <laughs> which which kind of makes me makes me think. I I I I came across a fact recently that the NXT Tag Team Championships have not been defended at a takeover since TakeOver Portland last year, where Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish were the NXT Tag Team Champions, and they faced the Broserweights, Pete Dunne and Matt Riddle. Isn't that fucking mind-boggling? Isn't that amazing to hear? Once, like, like the NXT Tag Team Championships being such prestigious championships in WWE, the most prestigious tag team championships in WWE, and they've become an afterthought. I guess it eventually happens at some point where the tag team champ, tag team titles in WWE just become an afterthought. I really don't get how that happened. I mean, I think part of it is to do with the pandemic. But at the same time, man, I'm just like, wow. They they just they never booked them in a tag they never booked them in a takeover since last year. Which I hope that changes very, very soon. I hope it does with the addition of MSK and Grizzly Young Vets coming back into NXT proper. I hope that changes because I love me some tag team wrestling and I just want to see more of it. Which we also got uh, Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler, the WWE Women's Tag Team Champions, showing up uh, against the winners of the Women's Dusty Tag Team Classic of Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez squaring off against each other. Um, It's kind of interesting to see when they'll get those ti- the, those title yeah those tag title shots, <laughs> um, because it is heel versus heel. I know a lot of people I read online and videos I've watched on YouTube where a lot of people thought Ember and Shotzi were gonna win. I'm like nah, because it does say that you know they were gonna get tag title shots. It doesn't say when, and who's to say that Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax are gonna be the tag team champions when they get this tag title opportunity? I mean, they very well still could because since they showed up in NXT the other night. Um, but I think it's possible. I mean, do I think Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez will win the tag titles? Uh, no, I don't think so. And I don't think them winning the tag titles will necessarily draw more eyes to NXT because the women's tag titles are just, you know, useless. They'll probably have the tag title match on a Raw and, um, and then just, you know, you know, have them lose, and then, you know, that kind of just brings more eyes to NXT and take over or whatever. I think that we'll probably get them on a run. I mean, if, if they were smart, they would do this at a takeover. They would they would book this on a takeover, you know, this this tag team. Um, where I, I see, like, in, in that tag, ta- tag match for the Women's Dusty Classic, you know, Raquel Gonzalez was doing most of the work. And down the line, I think we're probably going to see Raquel Gonzalez kind of, like, realize, you know, she's carrying this team, and she doesn't need Dakota, whereas Dakota needs, uh, she needs Raquel more than Raquel needs Dakota. But that should be fun when it happens. Um, the women's triple threat match was a bit wonky. Uh, I think with the table spot that they were planning to do kind of messed everything up. Triple H said they had 20 minutes and they only went 12, but apparently they did everything they, they wanted to in that time. Uh, if you noticed, if you go back and watch when Tony Storm was taking apart the ta- uh, the table, uh, Vic Joseph just his knee hits the bottom of the of the of the table, and then it just collapses. <laughs> I mean, watch what you're doing, man. What a poor Vic Joseph. The the big thing I remember saw a Wrestle Talk um, uh, poll about Vengeance Day, and I can't remember what the what the other thing, the main thing was. Oh yeah, it says "Damn you, uh, copyright logo. You got me again." Uh, and the other option was Tony Storm can destroy announce tables with her eyes. <laughs> Um, it's a shame to say because that was the weakest match on the card, but it was to no fault of their own. Mercedes Martinez, Tony Storm, and Io Shirai are all great wrestlers, and I think we'll probably see Tony Storm be the one to take the title off of Io down the line. Um, it could be it could be her or Zia Lee, but I think I mean I would like to see Tony Storm be the one to take it off. I, I said I wanted to be Candice, and I still love for it to be Candice, but I think I think they've gone and done that so many times that it should be somebody else who does it. Because I don't think it'll feel as important if Candace does it, you know. 
because she's a heel and Eo's a babyface. But anyway, I think we will move on from NXT. A lot of great prospect storylines. A lot of great things are happening there right now. But let's talk about AEW Dynamite from the other night. So, as I suspected, the contract that Matt Hardy signed and Hangman Adam Page signed was not a talent acquisition contract. It was a match contract for AEW Revolution. Hangman Adam Page versus Big Money Matt Hardy. And a stipulation there is that Hangman put in the contract was is that if Hangman won, he would earn 20%, sorry, 30% of Matt Hardy's uh, earn, uh, earnings from the beginning of 2021 or 2020, whatever, whatever he said. And Matt Hardy's like, you know, if you were a man, you, you got me. Okay, you got me. And I was going to get you too, but if you're a real man, you'll put up your share too. So that's the uh, that's the match. It's uh, Hangman Page versus Matt Hardy, and the winner will get the other's quarter earnings from the previous uh, from the, the beginning of this year, I believe. I have to double check on that, but that's what I think it is. Um, and then uh, the guy in the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, mascot was Isaiah Cassidy. Isaiah Cassidy? Yeah, it was Isaiah Cassidy, not Mark Quinn. Uh, he attacks. Um, he attacks uh, Hangman Adam Page. Then he goes to uh, Jack Evans and Helico and says, "If you, I will give you both $3,700 if you go in there and beat the hell out of Hangman Adam Page. Even though Hardy and Hangman had a tag match against them. They're beating them up. Then in comes the Dark Order. Here, com- here comes, you know, negative one leading in like uh, five. Colt Cabana, Dark, uh, Evil Uno, uh, all the Dark Order guys uh, to come help defend uh, Hangman Adam Page still think they're not done you know I still think there's a lot to be done with Hangman and the Dark Order and I think eventually Hangman will join the group and be the leader of the group and you know Dark Order can be like the biggest babyface faction in AEW um, but I'm liking that storyline that should be a, that should be a fun match uh, then we had what was confirmed to be we're going to be having a kind of jumping around here Another match we're having at AEW Revolution is that we're going to be having a six-man ladder match. The winner will face the TNT champion at a later date. So far, the three competitors we have are Scorpio Sky, El Cero M, a.k.a. Pentagon Jr., and the American Nightmare Cody Rhodes, which Brandy and Cody revealed on Dynamite that they're having a girl. So what a nice way to reveal their gender of their of their. Uh, of their first child. Congratulations to Cody and Brandy Rhodes. It's a baby girl. Cody joined the commentary booth uh, for FTR versus the Seidel brothers, which afterwards, um, Luchasaurus, uh, Jungle Boy, and Marco Stunt, Jurassic Express, all came out and attacked FTR. Definitely going to get an FTR versus Jurassic Express match at Revolution, and I'm really, really looking forward to that. Um, I think this FTR uh, Jurassic Express feud has been very good. It's been a little crazy, uh, a little wonky, I guess, considering how FTR stole Marco Stunt, kidnapped him, and Jack, uh, you know, Jungle Boy Jack Perry didn't seem to be phased by it the previous week doing an interview with Tony Schiavone, but the match should be good. Nothing official yet, but I think it should be good. Um, as far as that ladder match goes, I'm trying to see who else I could put in that spot. You know, there's probably going to be six guys, I think. So Cody, Scorpio Sky, Pentagon Jr. Um, I would say you know Brian Cage and Ricky Starks are are preoccupied at uh, Revolution. Um, I would I would say maybe Powerhouse Hobbs for one. That's once one guy. Um, Orange Cassidy, I could see him being in the match. Um, uh, maybe even Ray Phoenix. That would be very interesting. I don't think Phoenix has a match set up for Revolution. I think Phoenix uh, being in there, maybe see him and Pentagon go at it a little bit. I think it would be very interesting. Um, the Young Bucks had defended the uh, the AEW tag titles against Santana and Ortiz, and Alex Morvan had mentioned in a backstage interview with the Inner Circle that for this is their first AEW tag team title, uh, title match. I didn't know that either. Their first AEW tag team title match now 
I was shocked by this, and Ortiz and Santana cut an impassionate promo, and they say they're no longer being overlooked. We know why we're getting this is because we're finally getting this because for the longest time they're scared of us. They're scared of what we would do if we were the tag team champions. Um, MJF had went on and he was talking shit about Sammy Guevara. He's uh, saying like, "You really think I'd be recording when there was a cameraman right there, Sammy? How stupid can you be?" And then Chris Jericho was telling him. You know, come on, Max. We all know what you were doing. We all saw Dynamite last week and the week before that and the week before that and the week before that and the week before that. You have been goading Sammy. You've been egging him on for the longest time. So you shouldn't be surprised because you were doing this to yourself. However, the person who's more to blame here is Sammy Guevara. I wanted Sammy and Max to push each other. I wanted them. I think MJF's like, it was Sammy Guevara. He's like, that's right. And Jericho's like, shut up. I wanted Sammy Guevara and MJF to push each other. I wanted Sammy Max to push each other. I wanted them to help elevate each other. But that couldn't happen. And Sammy, you were too stupid to realize that. Even so stupid, they made the stupidest decision of your career. Leaving the inner circle. And when you leave the inner circle, you leave Chris Jericho. And to that, Sammy Guevara, you are dead to me. So, very good backstage segment there with the inner circle. Now coming out, Young Bucks versus Santana and Ortiz. Really fun tag title match. Mama and Papa Buck were out out front at ringside to watch. Um, backstage, we saw Kenny Omega, the AEW champion. Don Callis, the Impact Tag Team champions. Uh, Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson watching. And after the match, you know, uh, the Bucks had won. And then with Nick Jackson, I believe, getting a roll-up on Santana. And... The inner circle proceeded to beat up uh, the Young Bucks, everybody, Wardlow, Chris Jericho, MJF, etc. Um, and then Kenny's like, "What's going on? Like, like no, we gotta." And Kenny's like, "We gotta get out there. We gotta get. We, we want. We gotta save. We gotta save them." And then Don's like, whoa, whoa, "Whoa, hold on, hold on." And he's like, "Hang on, hang on. You're, you're the champ. You shouldn't go out there." Then he whispers in Gallows and Anderson's ears, and then he t- sends them to go out there. But Gallows and Anderson slowly take their time to get to the ring to save the Young Bucks. This is the further dissension that Don Callis is trying to do to replace the Young Bucks with Gallows and Anderson and get them out of Kenny's life. Because although Kenny Omega may be a heel, and he may be a heel to everybody else, I like that the added feature that, you know, he doesn't forget who his friends are. And that the Young Bucks are still his best friends. So, will it be a point where, you know, the Young Bucks, like where Kenny is just, maybe he decides, like, you know what? The Bucks aren't good for me. And he just turns on them too? Who knows? But we'll get to Kenny, Kenny Omega a little bit later. So, one of the most impressive, not about impressive, but shocking. I don't even know if it's shocking. Because... Taz comes out with Hook and Brian Cage to call out Sting. Sting comes out and and Taz tells him, you know, you're going to need that bat. Yeah, you're going to need that bat because you're nothing without that bat. Oh, you think you're a badass Sting? And then he throws the and then Sting throws the bat down, takes off the jacket, and then Brian Cage start and Sting go at it. And Brian Cage hit a power bomb to Sting. First of all, that's huge for Brian Cage. I love that. Second, it was Sting taking a bump. We all had speculated, you know, what if this tag match between Darby Allen and Sting against Brian Cage and Ricky Starks was a cinematic match? What if it was a cinematic match, you know, to kind of get through things? But I was texting with Sean today and telling him that, you know, oh my God, he took a powerbomb. He's like, well, yeah, it's kind of expected. And I said, yeah, you know what, you're right, because I don't think Sting would have ever signed with AEW if there wasn't a possibility for him to wrestle. Obviously, if he if he can wrestle, then let him wrestle. But Sting took a powerbomb from Brian Cage, and it looked awesome. It, it's Sting's first physical spot he's done. Someone's done to him. It's for Sting's first bump he took in AEW. He took it for Brian Cage, which I like. And hopefully, maybe we can get a Brian Cage versus Sting match down the line. I'd like that a lot. So, the main event of the show was Eddie Kingston and his family, Butcher and Blade versus 
Lance Archer, Phoenix, and John Moxley. So Eddie Kingston had called for this match. He wanted this match. He wanted uh, because these are all the demons that are keeping him up at night. You know, Ray Phoenix, he said, I want to pent in the family. I didn't want you, but you were there, and you ruined our friendship, and you're like a little gnat that won't go away. He still got heat with Lance Archer, and John Moxley's the biggest demon of them all, him being his brother, one of his best friends, and he still he keeps him up at night. The tag match was fun. It was a lot of fun. It was really good. John Moxley earlier tonight cut a promo about hyping up his match against Kenta for the IWGP United States Championship. To which then, after the match, John Moxley got attacked by Gallows and Anderson and Kenny Omega. And Kenny's like, you want your rematch, John? You want your rematch? Well, you got your rematch. And Kenny Omega said it will be an exploding barbed wire death match. And then V triggers John Moxley. Now this is some Japan deathmatch level shit that Kenny Omega challenged John Moxley in. This will be the main event of Revolution. This will be insane. And then AEW proceeded to, to the Twitter account uh, tweets a gif of Michael Scott where he's just annoyed as hell. It says at Renee Paquette seeing the announcement of the uh, main event of Dynamite, uh, main event of Revolution. Which apparently, uh, like, Renee's like, you're going to make me go into labor with this going on. I don't know if their baby is due at that night, but um, but it could cause uh, just the stress seeing her husband in that kind of match. Um, but that's insane. That is insane to see. Um, so far, the AEW uh, Revolution card is as follows. Just had it here. Hold on one second. AEW Revolution. The current card is Kenny Omega versus John Moxley in the Exploding Wire Death Match. Exploding Wire Death Match, I believe. No, I just said it. Yeah, explode the Exploding Wire, a barbed wire death match. Barbed wire. The Young Bucks versus Chris Jericho and MJF for the AEW Tag Team Titles. Sting and Darby Allen versus Brian Cage, Ricky Starks in a street fight. Cody Rhodes versus Pentagon versus Scorpio Sky versus three other competitors who we who will be uh, determined later. Uh, Hangman Adam Page versus Big Money Matt Hardy, and I believe we'll get the women's championship match once this eliminator tournament is done. Um, also, that Riho and Serena Deeb had a pretty good match this week on Dynamite. I like that a lot. Um, the other thing that I had failed to mention previously, I'll get, I'll touch on this, uh, real quickly. And that is that Kyle O'Reilly after NXT, people were very, very concerned for his health and that it was, you know, people thought that Kyle was having a seizure after the bump he took on the steel steps and people were scared. He got carried out on a stretcher to where, you know, Finn Balor and Triple H and Street Clothes were helping Guile. You know, doctors came and they very concerned for his health. However, um, this just all appears to be a work. Uh, Kyle is just really, really good at selling that makes you extremely scared for the wrestler's health and well-being, which is kind of a good thing. You want you want your suspension, your your belief to be suspended, all that shit. Uh, I'm just glad that Kyle is okay and that he's okay, that he's healthy and he even put on Twitter that he's fine. I'm okay. Um, just had to put that out there. Glad to hear that Kyle O'Reilly is doing better and is doing okay. Um, but back to AEW for just a quick second. I look at this card and I compare it to last year's card, and I'm just like, this is a hell of a lot better than last year's uh, pay per view. A hell of a lot better. And you know the the card like the the pay per view itself was good, but I think this one could be better. I think this one could be a lot better. I mean that Young Bucks Jericho MJF tag match isn't gonna is not even gonna come close to the Page Omega Bucks match, but it could be a pretty good. It could be a very good card, and, and I would dare say one of AEW's best in its history. But looking forward to that when it happens. We're gonna close off tonight's podcast. Well, today, whenever you're listening to this. Uh, with my Elimination Chamber predictions for this Sunday. I know we had uh, this pat we had uh, you know Vengeance Day this past Sunday and now we're getting uh, the Elimination Chamber this coming Sunday and I think Revolutions in a few weeks. It's uh, it's it's crazy with all the wrestling we got. 
But uh, here we go. Uh, this is the card so far for this Sunday's Elimination Chamber pay-per-view match. Going to kick things off for the United States Championship. Bobby Lashley, the champion, versus Keith Lee and Matt Riddle in a triple threat match. I am going to go with Big Bob here, Big Bobby Lashley. Uh, I think Matt Riddle's here ultimately to take the pin. And then this will probably lead to a U.S. title match against Keith Lee at WrestleMania. Uh, where Keith Lee will probably take the title from there. I, I just don't want to see another Matt Riddle, uh, Bobby Lashley match because they've already run that down to the ground. I don't want to see it. I just really don't. I want to see Keith Lee versus Bobby Lashley. Next up, we have uh, Asuka versus Lacey Evans with Ric Flair in her corner for the Raw Women's Championship. Um, I mean, Lacey Evans did announce that she's pregnant on Raw this week. And no, F- Ric Flair is not the father, thank God. Uh, I I don't know what they're gonna do with this. I had speculated in the previous episode I put out last week that uh, I feel like they're just gonna give us Lacey Evans versus Charlotte, but apparently Lacey Evans' pregnancy is legit. Um, I don't know what they're gonna do, but for now I'll 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 just say Oscar because I don't know what they're gonna do with this anyway. Um, next up we have uh for the. WWE Championship. The champion Drew McIntyre defends against AJ Styles, Jeff Hardy, Randy Orton, Sheamus, and Kofi Kingston in the first Elimination Chamber match. Now, originally, Kofi Kingston wasn't the always the competitor in there. It was The Miz. WWE realizing how stupid this is, considering he's the Money in the Bank briefcase holder, Miz had announced that he took himself out of the match and then he went to Adam Pearce saying that he wants John Morrison in. I remember I'm seeing this. I'm like, well, that's actually really fucking smart. Something they don't do quite often. Um, yeah. So Miz is out. And then uh, Adam Pearce was like, well, and then Kofi comes. He's like, well, I'll tell you what. You have a match with, with Kofi tonight. If you win, Morrison's in. If Kofi wins, Kofi's in. And Kofi Kingston won. And I see a lot of hate for Kofi Kingston on this like Facebook group thing I'm in. Everyone's pissed off. Like, oh, it should have been Morrison. Morrison should be in the chamber. What are they doing? Blah, blah, blah. You know, trying to recapture some of that, you know, love for Kofi we had not too long ago. And maybe it seems cheesy. But I'm seeing everybody shitting on Kofi. And I'm just like, wow, a lot of fucking people are bitching right now at Kofi Kingston when he was everybody's favorite wrestler two years ago. Just stop whining. Seriously. Stop fucking whining. Kofi in the chamber is still fun. It's still great. Would we like John Morrison to be in it? Yeah, I'd love John Morrison to be in it, but I'm not going to bitch and moan and complain. I mean, I bi- I complain about the WWE product a lot, but don't complain about fucking everything. It's going to be a fun match regardless. Morrison's still in the company. Just calm the fuck down. And then next up, we have uh, not for the Universal Championship, but we'll face, excuse me, but we'll face the Universal Champion Roman Reigns. Um, it says later that night. Whereas on SmackDown, Roman said that he's not going to be in the match and that the winner of the match will face him immediately right after. So we'll have to wait and see there. But the competitors are competitors are as follows: as follow, Jay Uso versus Kevin Owens versus King Corbin versus Sami Zayn versus Cesaro versus Daniel Bryan. Um, this one is a little trickier. Um, I'm not sure who could win. The only ones I just don't see winning are Sammy and Corbin. I don't see Sammy or Corbin winning. They're like the two least likely. Um, I feel like Cesaro is a dark horse along with Jey Uso. Um, I feel like, you know, the two probably will be Kevin Owens or Daniel Bryan. Um, you know, I'm going to go with Daniel Bryan. I, uh, my heart's a Cesaro, but I'll, I'll say Daniel Bryan. I think that he could probably have a really good match with Roman at the end of the night. Maybe they'll make an event. Who knows? Uh, Daniel Bryan. Let's go Daniel Bryan. Uh, if we get Cesaro, fuck yeah, Cesaro. And then it will be Roman Reigns versus the winner of the Elimination Chamber match to face Roman Reigns. And I'm gonna just going to go with Roman Reigns because he's the head of the table. He is the big, he is the bad dog. He is the, the tribal chief. Uh, and he's not dropping that title before Mania. No way is he dropping that title before Mania. 
Uh, those are my predictions for this Sunday's pay-per-view, and we will actually end on this story that apparently Bad Bunny is, he is leading, he is leading the merch sales higher than any other wrestler on the entire roster. Bad Bunny, that's right. Damian Priest's new best friend, Bad Bunny. He is leading the merch sales. Yeah, it says Bad Bunny dominates WWE merch sales, hitting over half a million dollars. Isn't that crazy? I mean, hey, they're taking advantage of a of a of a of a you know pop star phenomenon at the moment with Bad Bunny and music acts can't tour, so it's uh, it makes it just makes sense. Plus, it helps that he's a big fan. But Bad Bunny's actually a really big fan of WWE and professional wrestling. Um, but that's crazy, man. I I granted WWE has been very stupid in the past with a lot of things. But they're very smart with this, and hopefully it draws a lot of eyes to the product, and hopefully it can really save the company in the ratings, so to speak. You know, it's 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 smart. It's it's we don't really see WWB so smart at the moment. Anyway, just gonna end with that. That is this week's episode of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Oh wait, I'm sorry, I lied. We have another episode that we put up this week. It was dropped this past Monday. Uh, me and my friend Bryce from the Making Kayfabe podcast, we did an entire episode on Kurt Angle's career. Going back from a little bit into his Olympic Olympic days, into his WWE career, TNA career, indie career, ending his career in the WWE. It was a lot of fun having Bryce on the podcast. Always welcome. Always good to have him and his co-host Dylan on. Uh, definitely go check those guys out at Making Kayfabe on Twitter and all the great podcast apps that you can find them on. And you can find us at TNAWP on Twitter. You can find me at CJ underscore 1214 on Twitter. You can find us at the Not Another Wrestling Podcast on Instagram. You can find us at you can find me on, on Instagram at CJ underscore 1293. Find us on Facebook at the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Uh, hope you're all doing well. Hope you're all doing safe. Uh, who do you got for this Sunday? for the Elimination Chamber. What do you think is going to be the best match? I'm going to put some polls up for the next couple of days on Twitter at TNAWP, so please be sure to vote with who you think is going to win, what you think the match of the night is going to be, what do you think the overall pay-per-view is going to be, what do you think is going on, what do you think is going on with NXT, how are you liking this storyline, how are you liking the stuff with the Inner Circle and AEW, with the Young Bucks, with Kenny Omega, what are you liking in AEW, and just professional wrestling this week and for all time. Thank you all so much for listening. I've been CJ Palmasano, and I'll see you next time.